this twice. I'm, one more error I got, and then I'm out of here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, anyway, we slammed down some tums. Now you can all hear me. And we ate some more. And there might have been a necessary nap or two. And it was good. It may have felt for some of us like it was the last day of rest before the Christmas rush. Now, even though some of my neighbors have already Christmas turns me into an eight-year-old boy again. Christmas brings surprises. Christmas is the fulfillment of God's promise to us. As the old Christmas song says, it's the most wonderful time of the year. But sadly, it can also be the most stressful time of the year. The days between Thanksgiving and Christmas are often called the days of preparation. And whether it's a church life or a person's social life, our December days are often very filled. They're very busy. Sometimes all the preparations and getting ready to celebrate stress us out so much that we forget to enjoy the Christmas season. Among the to-do items for so many of us are Christmas presents that must be purchased, there are dinners to be planned, groceries to be purchased, lots of cooking and baking, and a lot of party preparations to be made. Some have to prepare for a week of vacation, which typically means you have to work twice as hard in the week preceding so that you can enjoy that week of vacation. Here at church, there are a lot of preparations that go on as well. I've got just a short list this morning I want to share with you of some preparations that have taken place or are still taking place at Bethesda. And I'll begin with the team play. Early in our fall, early in the fall, our children's ministry director, Carolyn, determined the play that would be performed this year. And like most years, Carolyn spent hours upon hours rewriting this year's play. And trust me, that's a Carolyn thing. Sometimes she has to break one character apart into two characters, or she has to add new characters to be sure that every team that wants a speaking part gets one. Carolyn's husband, Scott, often has to prepare a stage set. That could be a, a maybe a simple wall in a country house, or it might be an elevator where Christmas travelers meet. Costumes have to be gotten out of the closet. They've got to be mended. They've got to be matched to the actors. And then there are the practices. And I have to tell you, the teams are amazing. They come to that first practice with all their lines memorized. Not exactly. From what I've witnessed over the years, some of those lines are not memorized until the play begins on that Sunday morning. And teens, there's some of you in the choir loft, that's not happening this year, right? Yet by, by the grace of God, it all comes together and the play is performed. Typically there's a surprise or two in the play. Always the congregation leaves filled with the gospel of Jesus' birth. And in case you didn't know the date, this year's team play, you already heard it, is Sunday, December the 12th at 9.30 a.m. On Sunday, December 19th at 9.30 a.m., there's going to be a special service of song and scripture. Our organist Tom has already chosen some psalms and will soon begin practice with the singers. My wife Mary has other songs the worship team will be performing. 
There are scripture readers. There's a portion of the program where the kids of the church are going to reenact the nativity. It's a lot of work. But it will be beautiful in part because of the preparation. The Advent tea is just around the corner. Suar and her little helpers and elves have been advertising. They've been developing a theme, signing up people to host tables and modifying the event to work in a COVID environment. The tea's speakers are preparing their messages. Each table host has to determine how to decorate their table. I know we brought in two huge boxes that weighed about 50 pounds each today. Just the decorations. There are hours of preparation. And there's other events that take place at Bethesda during the Christmas season. The Young at Heart Dinner, the Preschool Christmas Program, the Ladies Fellowship Lunch, Operation Christmas Child, which we just did. Church decorating, which happened yesterday. It's um, New Year's Eve, there'll be the teen lock-in. And the list goes on and on and on. So many people are involved in making Christmas at Bethesda beautiful, enjoyable, and certainly Christ-centered. And I've discovered that it's easy with so much going on, so much going on during the month of December, that it's easy to miss the most important preparation. And that is the preparation of our hearts to again celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior. And I love all this stuff. I love it all. But, you know, sometimes I feel like I just need to stop. I need to stop for maybe 15 or 30 minutes a day just to to clear my mind. I want to reminisce about all those Christmas pasts and those celebrations and those great times. I want to sit in peace gazing at the, the lights on our Christmas tree because those lights remind me that Jesus is the light of the world. I want to gaze at our nativity set, pondering what it must have been like that very first Christmas. Most importantly, I want to spend time with God. You could say it this way, I want to prepare my heart, actually my whole life, for the coming of Jesus. And I think that's true for pretty pretty much all of us. We want to be prepared to celebrate Jesus' birth. We want to be prepared to live for Him each day of our life. And we want to be prepared for the day that Jesus returns. And it's easy to say, but I think we all know it can be so much harder to do sometimes. But God will help us prepare. He prepared the world when His Son came over 2,000 years ago. And we just heard one example in that passage we just read from Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 25. The Bible tells us about a priest named Zechariah. He was in the order of Abijah. And as such, his order was on duty at the temple twice a year. He was chosen by lots to go into the temple. Now in this case, being chosen by lots was kind of like throwing sticks where actually the short stick wins. There There were so many priests in Zechariah's day, and there were not enough sacred duties for every one of them. And and that's why lots were drawn to see who would have the honor of serving. But Zechariah's calling was very special. He was to offer incense, a great privilege. In fact, a priest could not offer incense more than once in a lifetime. So this truly was a a once-in-a-lifetime experience. 
It was likely the greatest day in Zechariah's life up to that point. It was a day that Zechariah had no doubt prepared for his entire life. You know, it reminds me of a once-in-a-lifetime event that I experienced several years ago. I had the privilege of officiating a wedding at home plate at Busch Stadium. Fred Bird was even there. I put hours of preparation into that message. I have to tell you, I was very excited, but I was so nervous. I was surprised as I began speaking that afternoon when my voice echoed throughout that empty stadium. When the couples, couples said their I do's, people in the stands across the street in Ballpark Village applauded. And as that applause was taking place, I imagined them applauding me as I rounded the bases after hitting a home run. It fulfilled a lifetime dream. Still, i got to tell you, in Zachariah's day, his day was so much more amazing than my baseball wedding. Zechariah's story reminds us some truth about the preparations we make. And the first thing we recognize is that preparing, it isn't always easy. Zechariah was old. He may have wondered if he would ever have the privilege of burning incense in the temple. It was a long wait. It might have been a long wait that included doubts, maybe doubts that he would ever experience that blessing. Maybe those doubts led to frustration. But we know that during Zechariah's life, he had experienced even greater times of frustration. Luke tells us that Zechariah was married to Elizabeth. Elizabeth was the daughter of a priest. They, were, they had to be a, no, a, a holy family. Their friends and neighbors probably held them in very high regard. I mean, think about it. The priest who married a priest's daughter doesn't get much better than that. And yet, those high regards might have worn off with time. In the Old Testament, so frustrating. Imagine the murmurs that may have happened behind Elizabeth's back. The ladies talking, that's Zechariah, the priest's wife. Did you know they have no children? I wonder what they did wrong not to receive God's blessing. It's such a shame. She was such a nice girl. Years and years had gone by when we pick up the story in Luke chapter 1. Children were now long out of the question. As a young couple, they might have had dreams of a big family. They had prepared for the arrival of tiny bundles of joy, but the joyful bundles never arrived. Preparations are not always easy. Those of you who desired children but never had them, understand what Zechariah and Elizabeth faced. You too may have prepared, but the children, the children never came. I don't know why, but I do know there is no shame. There is no shame in being childless. God loves you just like He loves anyone else, and He has no doubt blessed you in other ways. Other of us, maybe we prepared for a promotion at work. We worked hard. One day we heard about that possible promotion. We did everything that we thought we needed to do, but the promotion never came. Or, or maybe we prepared for our life to go a certain way. 
We wanted a family. We wanted a family that loved each other and cared for each other. We wanted a nice house. Not huge, just comfortable. We planned on years of good health. And maybe we had a family. At least that's what some would call it. And yet our families always fight. The holidays are a disaster. It's horrible having that whole dysfunctional family under the same roof. It's kind of like a sitcom, but without the laughs. As far as our hopes of a house, you know, we saved as best we could. We got a house, but it's turned into nothing more than a money pit. Things always break. Moving is out of the question. We dream one day of Chip and JoJo Gaines showing up at our door for a renovation. But instead of them knocking at the door, it's another call from the service guy, the plumber, to repair a leak. And our health, we exercise at least once a month. And we ate wisely. Chips and salsa are healthy, right? Tomatoes, cornmeal. But our health has been a major disappointment. We weigh too much. Our body aches. Our eyesight is failing. Our, our hearing is terrible. We answer anything that's said to us saying, what's that? What's that? You know, I have to say that's become a very common word in my vocabulary as my hearing fails. And, and someday, someday I'm going to write a responsive reading where I say a few words and the congregation responds. It'll go like this. God is good. What's that? God loves you. What's that? Jesus saves. Who that? But maybe that's not you. You're in your your teens or early 20s and you got big plans, but you've already realized that those plans don't always work out the way you want them to, no matter how hard you prepare. You practice what you'd say to Mary, Mary Beth when you asked her to the dance. You were excited, you were nervous. Instead, she went with that Neanderthal, John. You practiced an audition for the school play. You hoped to be a star in that play, and guess what? You got assigned to the stage crew. Or maybe you hope to marry. And all the guys you meet are losers. All you need is one decent guy. And you question, do you, such guys even exist? Preparation can be difficult, especially when the results are disappointing. Preparing for Jesus isn't always easy either. Life's disappointment can cause us to not see Jesus clearly. And yet, and yet if we prepare, if we open our hearts up and invite Jesus in, He will enter in. God will help us experience the peace and joy His Son brings. With Jesus, even though life has lots of disappointments, we know that we're never alone. We are valued. We are loved. If you struggle with this, just ask God to help you experience the love and the joy and the peace of Jesus in your life. The second thing we can learn about preparations is that preparations don't stop surprises. Let's go back to Zechariah as he entered the temple to burn incense. Zechariah had liter literally won the lottery. And I, and I can imagine old Zechariah jumping around. He's hooting and he's hollering. He's high-fiving all the fellow priests. He's getting slaps on the back and words of encouragement like, Zach, we, we thought you'd never get the call. 
Go get them, buddy, but don't mess up. Get that incense lit. Don't burn down the temple. Well, the scene probably didn't look quite like that, but it was a special moment, no doubt. Zechariah had waited for this day. And his day was about to get more amazing than he could ever imagine. He met an angel. Not just any angel. Zechariah met the angel Gabriel who stands in the presence of the Lord. This is the same angel who appeared to the prophet Daniel and who would appear to the Virgin Mary. See, God didn't send Gabriel to just anyone. And not only did Gabriel appear to Zechariah, but Gabriel brought wonderful news. He said, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth is going to bear you a son. And you should call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness. And many people will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before them in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Now, Zechariah was prepared, but I don't think there was any way he was prepared for this. And Zechariah was so shocked that he responded with, Disbelief. It was simply too good to be true. Zechariah refused to believe the, Gabriel, the, the angel Gabriel. Basically, he told Gabriel something like this. Are you sure you got the right priest for this message? Get real, Gabriel. A Elizabeth and I are too old. People, people like us don't have babies. You, you must not have heard God's directions clearly. Because of Zechariah's disbelief and his unwillingness to accept the surprise, he was unable to speak until after his son, John the Baptist, was born. You know, think about the Grinch. The Grinch prepared to destroy the Who's Christmas. He thought he had thought he'd done everything that he needed to do, only to be surprised that Christmas came anyway. And that surprise caused the Grinch to think of something that he hadn't thought of before. What if Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store? What if Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more? I think his heart grew three sizes that day. I don't know about you, but I can relate to Zechariah. I can relate to the Grinch. Not only are preparations difficult, they often seem to produce no results, at, at least not the results that we expect. What God gives us is very different than what you and I expected, and yet we often see greater blessings in those surprises. You know, don't, let, don't let the busyness and don't let the disappointments and the frustrations of life to cause you to miss the surprises of God. Look for God to surprise you every day. It might be an unexpected hug after church. It could be a gift that we now cherish that we didn't even know that we wanted. One of the greatest surprises comes from our relationships. An unexpected special moment with a daughter, or a son, or a wife, or husband, or other family member or friend. 
those moments we're to be sharing. God surprises us also with interruptions. Interruptions that lead our life perhaps in a new and very wonderful direction. And so we prepare for life. We prepare for Jesus. But we also expect and accept the surprises that God brings. And then finally, preparation leads to of God's promises is certain. We have to jump ahead now to Luke chapter 1, verses 57 to 66 to see, see, to see the fulfillment of Zechariah. Beginning in verse 57, we read this. It, sa- it says, When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared in her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, no, his name is to be called John. And, and they said to her that no one among your relatives has that name. And then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. And he asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. And Luke tells us that immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak, praising God. The neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about these things. Everyone who heard this wonder heard this, wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. And if we continue reading in Luke and the verses that follow, Zechariah told a bold prophecy of the coming Messiah and of his own son, John the Baptist's role in preparing the way for the Lord. The previous mute Zechariah declared the glory of God. Christmas. Christmas will always be a season of preparation. People come together to celebrate, to renew old friendships, and to begin new ones, to to eat, to remember the joys and the hard times, and most certainly to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior. Preparations are required. Gabriel told Zechariah around 2,000 years ago that his son would make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And that speaks to us as well. We are to be prepared. We prepare our heart for Christ every morning. When you get up in the morning, welcome Him into the day. We're prepared to tell others about our Lord and Savior. Preparations require hard work. And there may be disappointments. There may be frustrations. There will be surprises. And some of those surprises will feel like blessings. But others might feel like curses. Through it all, we hold on to the promise that a heart prepared for the Lord will be filled. One day, we will meet Jesus face to face. And so we have to ask ourselves, Am I prepared for that day? If you're not sure about that, if you're not sure how to answer that question, 
talk to Pastor David or a Christian friend or talk to me. Ask us how the we how you can prepare your heart for the coming of Jesus Christ. And I promise you, Christmas will never be the same again.